scariest pasuk in the whole Torah is Vanochi Haster Astir Panai Bayoma. Scariest pasuk in the whole Chumash is Anochi Haster Astir Panai Bayoma. And the reason that I know that that's the scariest pasuk in the whole Chumash, where Hashem says, I'm going to Haster Astir Panai, I'm going to hide a double Hastar, I'm going to hide and further hide Panai, I'm going to hide my face. I won't be able to even look at you, Hashem says. It's a very scary Pasuk. I know it's very scary because Rashi, in Sefer Yeshaya, I'm noticing now there's a typo, it's supposed to be Parachas, not Parachas. Rashi in the 8th Parach of the Navi Yeshaya, where we find a, a somewhat similar Pasuk. It says, I long for Hashem who hides his face. So Rashi over there writes, There was never as difficult, as harsh, prophetic words spoken. There's, no, there's nothing scarier. There's never been a harsher statement ever made by all the prophets, in the Torah, in the Nevi'im. There's never been a scarier statement then Anochi has to ask. Now Anochi, we know, again, Hashem begins His, his introduction to Klal Yisrael. That first moment of selecting the Jewish people at our Sinai, Anochi Hashem Elokecha. But imagine if that Anochi is not just put away, that Anochi has there, that Anochi astir, that Hashem says, I hide my face. Right? That's okay. Go right ahead. Hiding and more hiding and more hiding. Now the good news is, all right, let's just finish Rashi. Rashi says, but at the same time that Hashem said He's going to hide His face from us, on the same day He encouraged us and He promised us, At the same time, Hashem said, but don't worry, we're going to, we're going to make it through. You know, The Shira of Hazinu, the Shira of the Torah, will serve to testify, that Loosely translated, we won't be forgotten, and Hashem won't be forgotten to us, and Hashem won't forget us. But it's a very scary pasuk, and that and that's the pasuk that alludes to Esther. Right? When the Gemara says, "Where is there a hint to Esther in the Torah?" It's this pasuk. So, in other words, what was happening at the time of Megillah Esther was really the scariest, the scariest time in Jewish history. That Haman wanted to destroy Claudius, and there was this incredible darkness that descended upon the world. Everything was so covered over. That's why, again, Hashem's name doesn't appear on the Megillah because it was a time where it was very hard to see Hashem. It was hard to find Hashem. A lot of concealment. Hastir, hastir. Concealment and more concealment. However, I want to I learn about a Malik and I want to learn a very simple technique to defeat a Malik because you have to understand how a Malik attacks. We, if we understand the way that a Malik tries to attack us, we'll understand how to very easily defeat a Malik. Okay, this is incredibly practical and incredibly relevant. So let's first understand the nature of, of a Malik. Okay, let's start very simple. Sefer HaChinuch. The Sefer HaChinuch, and this Shabbos, of course, is Parsha Zachar, right? That's part of the, the formal mitzvah obligation to remember a Malik, to remember our responsibility to destroy a Malik. So mitzvah 603 in the Torah, the Sefer HaChinuch says, source number 3, Don't ever forget what Amalek did to you. They had the audacity to attack us. Lizgaros. Lizgaros means to, to, to rumble with us, you know. To incite. They incited themselves against us as we left Mitzrayim. Like we spoke about the last couple of days. They were the first ones who had the audacity when everyone else was, as the Sefer HaChinach describes, everyone else was running away from us, the Malik was running at us. Says the Sefer HaChinach, what's the nature of this mitzvah? First and foremost, the other one, the chizuk, the chizuk of Amalek is, that's okay, the chizuk, the chizuk of this mitzvah is to realize that anyone who starts up with Klal Yisrael is sonoy, is hated, despised by Hashem. You mess with God's kids, you mess with God. That's 
part of what we're trying to remember. You mess with the Jewish people, you mess with Hashem. But then, the Chinuch writes, V'chi l'fi ra'aso v'aremas rov nizko t'ye mapalaso v'ra'aso. Accordance with his evil, v'aremas rov nizko. Chava, that's the word I want to focus on. What's aremas rov nizko? The what? Nakedness. Interesting. You're saying arum, like malbish arumim. Okay? We're going to see the relationship between the word nakedness and what we're about to... What else does it mean? Cunning. The nachash was arum. That's right. Very beginning, when we first meet the nachash. When we first meet the nachash at the very beginning of the Torah. It tells us that the nachash was arum. What does that mean? The nachash didn't wear clothing? Again, there's clearly a relationship between the words. But the first pasuk is the third shayak of the Chumash. The nachash was deceptive. The nachash was, was a trickster. The nachash was very tricky. Okay, so the Sefer HaChinach describes the aremas rov nizko. The great damaging deception of a malik. Aremas rov nizko. And in accordance with his great Damaging deception, so will be Amalek's downfall. So, But part and parcel, says the Sefer Achinach, of remembering Amalek, is appreciating the deception of Amalek. The depth of their deception. Or how about the Rambam? The Rambam writes, in the midst of remembering Amalek, destroying Amalek, source number four, Okay. Remember the, the evil deeds of Amalek. What does that mean? Aleph, Reish, Beis. The ambush. The ambush of Amalek. Amalek doesn't fight you head on. Amalek is always sneaking around. Like the Nachash back in Gan Eden. Nachash Haya Arum. Aremas Rov Nisko. Arivasa. How a Malik Dafka targeted the weakling, weaklings, right? Like we're going to read the Shabbos. The, the deception of a Malik, the ambush of a Malik. Because a Malik is always, as much as a Malik again represents this Hester, this, this concealment, and I don't want to give away the whole shear in two seconds into the shear, but if we, if we think about it for a second, when we finish reading the Megillah, we're going to say it again. After we finish reading the Megillah, we finally defeat Amalek, we emerge, and we sing a song, we sing a piyot, jump to source number six for a second. Asher heini atzas goyim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, wow, you are heini, you overturned. Uh, you turned back the, the plots, the plans of the goyim. V'yafer machshavos arumim. And Hashem, you yafer, you negated, you undid the, the intent of the deceptive. Why is a Malik always being described as, as trickery, of ambush, of deception, cunning, right? tricky, sly? And the answer is we have to understand how a Malik is, is mamish, the antithesis of who we are. We are called B'nai Yaakov. Titain MS Liyakov. That means if we are MS, and the Torah is MS, that means a Malik has to be what? Sheker. Sheker, absolute, the absolute opposite of what we are. If we're supposed to represent a certain clarity in the world, a certain straightforward thinking in the world, a malik is always crooked, is always deceptive, is always warped. Says the Shem Yishmuel, the Heliga, Rebbe of Sakachov, in source number 5, Vinei Amalek, regarding Amalek, my father, the Avni Nezer, taught me, Shuhu hipoch mi Yaakov avinu alavashal, it's the exact opposite of, of Yaakov avinu. Why is a malik the opposite of Yaakov avinu? Sha'amalek milashon mi'ukal. Amalek is a lashon of crooked. Akalkalus. Right? Warped. Perverted. Misrepresented. Totally bent out of shape. As opposed to Yaakov Avinu, who's called what? Yisrael. It's a lashon of Yasha. We're called Yeshurun. Right? The Jewish people are called Yeshurun. Milashon Yashar. When we defeat the crooked Amalek, the deceptive Amalek, the ambush of Amalek, 
the sneaky ways of Amalek. And we say, we're not adkan, all of the lies and all of the deception. Let's talk straight, which is part of what we're trying to do through the drinking of fur, to be able to open up our, our hearts and have an honest conversation with Hashem, with ourselves, with our harusa, with our spouse, with our, I don't know, our parents, whoever it is, right? We're trying to tap into a part where I can dive in from a really deep place inside of myself to stop always going in circles and going around and, and crooked pathways. But when I defeat the crooked Amalek, and a person zochet to what? To a sense of yashrus. So then what? simcha. Or Think about it. Or You know the pasuk. Or simcha. The more you straighten out your life, the more honest you are. The more you're in the world of Yaakov. Titan emes Yaakov. simcha. So he says zochu gam simcha. Says the Hashem Yishmuel. You're zochet to simcha. simcha. Right? Or it means clarity. In the dark, everything's confusing. In the light, ah, I know what's what, and I'm able to live a wholesome life. And when my life is shalem, then my life is besimcha. And that's what we're trying to tap into every year on, on Purim. Yeah, Azim. You know, I was in Germany a couple of months ago and went to the cemetery that Just tell everyone what you're talking about. I mean, I know what you're talking about. But tell everyone. A few months ago, I went on like a family heritage trip to a small town called Neckerbish or something, which is where the Justice and families lived for hundreds of years, and it's kind of been like a whole um, thing for my family and memory of, memory of my family. And one of the stops we made was at the cemetery, and every single sort of every member of my family said, like, Yashar, and it said like they were, they were straight. Wow. Like, we were wondering like, what, like, that meant, what the significance was, so it's interesting that Yashras. Yashras is a big myth, it's, it's, it's who we are, Yisrael, Yashras. To be Ehrlich, to be honest. To be honest, right? Amalek is the world of... Who does Amalek come from? Esav. The Vedra says about Esav, Esav, the way to understand the word is what? Esav is a lesson of shav. Like taking a shuas shav. Shav means what? False. Right? Unjustified, unwarranted. A false, a false oath, a shuas shav. The Medrash says, Esav is the shove of, of the world, is the emptiness of the world. Right? Shove means in vain, purposeless. A Jew is supposed to, my whole life is supposed to be purposeful. My whole life is supposed to be meaningful. Right? Uh, the world of Amalek is a world of deception. It's a world of lies. It's a world of trickery. It's the opposite of the emes. And by the way, when a person's in that world of Shekhar, so what happens? It's very simple what happens. What does it say? Hakina v'hataiva when a person is chasing all the falsehood of the world, like it says in Perkeabos, what does it say in Perkeabos? Akina, Vataiva, Vakavod, jealousy, desire, and honor, and the pursuit of them, the person who becomes obsessed, and Haman's all these things, Haman's, right? Anti Semitism is so often, in some deep seated way, rooted in jealousy. Taiva, Kavod, Haman is obsessed with everyone has to give him Kavod. One guy doesn't bow down to me, he can't handle it. Okay? So the Mishnah says in Pirkeyavos, Hakina v'ataiva v'akavod, motzin asa'adam min olam. It removes a person from the world. And that's what we do in Amalek. We say, Amalek, you can't be in the world. Because you're so, you're so warped. We can't even fix you. We have to just get rid of you. Okay, so Tzadik can point out the following remnants. What's the Gematria of Kina? 156. 156. Not for now, but interestingly enough, one of the is Gematria Yosef. Because so much what happened with Yosef and the brothers revolved around jealousy, around Kinnah. Okay, interesting. Taiva is how much? 412. Kavod? Kavod is late, 32. Okay, so what do you get? Kinnah plus Taiva plus Kavod? 600. 600, which is Gematria? If we're MS, Amalek is Shekhar. Shekhar is going to 600. The falsehood, the falsification of life is a person who spends his whole life thinking that if I would just have what that person has, then I'd be happy. That will never bring to Simcha. That's what we're learning here. Yashras brings to Simcha. MS brings to Simcha. When you chase after falsehood, when you chase after other people have, that's jealousy. When you think that, oh, if I could just satisfy that taiva, then I'd be happy. Not true. Oh, if this person would just give me more kavod, then I would be truly happy. Also not true. 
you're chasing Sheker, you're chasing the world of Esav, Dashav, this is the Shav, this is the emptiness of the world. This is Amalek, this is the Me'ukal, this is the crookedness. This is the world of Arumim, which again means tricky, deception. Amalek's always sneaking around, targeting the, the weaklings. What kind of low person does that? You know? It's very, it's very, it's, it's so corrupt, yeah. Can we also say that, like, we learned in the beginning of the year that, like, the olive bed is a big part of, like, how close you are to Hashem. And, like, Sheker is, like, not the last three, but, like, tough means, like, you're at the end, so you restart again. So, okay. like, Very Sheker, good. like, you're stuck at the end, like, you can't even go back to the right. beginning because you can't even finish, you're just stuck at the, right. the, the end. It's, all, the it's all letters that are, right, it's all letters at the end. It's interesting, I wonder if, I wonder if there's, like, a reboy. I never thought of, like, the olive base as being representative of time. You know, I guess they were talking how Nissan's the beginning of the calendar and others really the end. Right? So I'm, I'm, I never thought of, like, do, do Tzadikim ever talk about how the Aleph phase sort of also, like, unfolds throughout time, which means that, like, before you get to the end, before the very end of time, there's going to be a lot of Sheker in the world. We live in a world of deception and lies. It's very interesting. Never thought of it that way. Yeah? Right. And they're both very grounded. Right. Stability, and balance. Stability, right? The shaker is in a row, right? It's in a row in, 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 in the olive bed, and none of it's like. In the red line. It doesn't have like legs. Very shaky, shaky stability. That's right. That's right. That's why in the spheros, Hanukkah and Purim correspond to Netzach and Hod. Netzach and Hod in the body correspond to the legs. Right? Stability. Stability, meaning Gullus is, is destabilizing, right? Being in 2,000 years without a base of this is very destabilizing, disorienting. So we need, so Hashem gave us two young tovim, Netzach and Hod, Purim and Chanukah, to give us the ability to stand, to hold this up. Like it says in Pirkeavos, Ve'hemidu Talmidim Harbe. The Pashup Shad is have a lot of students. Try to have the most guys in your shir. Right? That's the Pashup Shad. Ve'hemidu Talmidim Harbe. Have a lot of students. But the, the deeper Pashad, that's what you can say, is Try to stand your student up a lot. Right? Try to help a person to stand on their own two feet. Teach a person that they have to take a chrayis for their life. Teach a person to stop being deceived by a malik. That's the mark. A remas, a remas rovnisko, a rivaso, right? All of this, it's all the same thing. Machshavos arumim. It's mamish the world of the nachash. The nachash tricked chava. The Nachash did it, right? The Nachash deceived Chava. He tricked, he tricked her into doing something that she knew in her heart of hearts was wrong. But he tricked her. And she ate from the tree. And that brought a lot of, a lot of destruction to the world. A lot of terrible destruction to the world. Let me show you just one other place where we find the Malik sneaking around and then we'll get to the main vart. Which is really a life-changing vart on the Megillah. Okay? But before we get there, just one other scene in the Torah. In Parshas Chukas... In source number seven, Vayishma Haknani Melacharad, Yoshev Hanegev, Kibo Yisrael Derecha Asarim, Vayilachem Bi Yisrael, Vayishpimenu Shevi. Vayishma Haknani, the Kanani heard that uh, the Jewish people are in town and they come and they attack. Okay? Shevi, ready to take a little Bukhina on the Pasuk? And at the end of the Pasuk is Vayishpimenu Shevi, and they took a hostage. Right? Shevi, a hostage. Took someone hostage. They fought the Yilachem Israel. They fought the Jewish people, and they took a hostage. Okay, so very simple test. I don't give a lot of tests, but we'll give one. We'll give a short pop quiz. Okay, who attacked the Jewish people in Bamidbar Parachafalif Pasakalif? The Kanani, right? You failed the test. You failed the test. Rashi says it wasn't the Kanani. But that's what the Pasuk said. <laughs> How do I fill the test? The Kanani heard that the Jews are in town and they attacked and they took a captive. The Kanani Yoshev Hanegev says Rashi, hold on a second, Yoshev Hanegev? Ze'amalek. Ze'amalek, says Rashi in source number 8. Shenemar Amalek Yoshev Be'eret Hanegev. Amalek is the one who dwells in the south. Vishina es l'shono l'daber b'lashon Kanan. The Amalekim disguised themselves to speak in the language of Canaan to pretend to, 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 to hide the fact that they're Amalek. Kedeshu Yisrael mispalim lakadosh baruch hu l'seis Canaanim biyadam. You know what the Amalekim did? Those Rishon, they pretended that they were Canaanim so that we would say, Hashem, save us from the Canaanim. 
says Rashi. But they weren't Kanaanim. They were actually Amalekim. Ro Yisrael Levushehem, Kilevushe Amalekim. This is going to be very important. Going back to what Noam said, it, but the word Arum means naked. Right? Clothing, costumes, think Purim. They saw, the Jewish people saw their garments, and they recognized, wait a minute, the way that you're dressed, the style of Levush, your garments, it looks like Amalek. Uleshonam Leshon Kanan. And the language is the language of Kanan. Now you have to also understand, again, I haven't thought enough about it, but I want you to think about it, or just at least make a mental note of it. Right, what is, what is, does this scene remind us of anything? Right? Amalek will turn around and say, well, it's not like you guys never did that. You guys also, you also play that game. You also play the game of changing your... So we say, hold on a second, it's not exactly the same. What did you do, Amalek? You changed your voice, changed your language, and you kept your garments. What did we do? What did Yaakov do? He kept his voice, and he changed his garments. The opposite. There's a very significant difference between whether you change your outside or you change your inside. You hear? A voice is your, your lashon is your you know, expression of, of who you are. Right? The language, your first language that you grew up with, so much informs your personality and your culture. So anyway, so the Jewish people understood something funny is going on here. Sounds like a malik. I'm oh, sorry, it sounds like Kanan, but it looks like a malik. So you know what they did? Amru, nispavl stam. Let's just daven Hashem, save us from whoever that is. And that's what Klai Yisrael did, and they were safe. So again, look at these clouds. They're sneaking around. Amalek's always hiding. They're always sneaking. They're always coming at us in some type of tricky and deceptive way. So what's the, what's the pshat? How do, we use, how do we use this awareness to defeat Amalek once and for all? That's really what I want to get to. Okay, David Tzvi, what do you want to say? Meaning they know the truth. They, know, they, know the they truth. do know the truth. Know You're saying a very deep thing. You're saying a very deep thing. They know the truth. In this sefer, Vayoshet Hamelech on Megillah Sester by Rav Kluger of Avram Tzvi Kluger Shlit of Merit Yisrael, he says Haman's anger is such a clear sign that he, he Mordechai won't let Haman live the dimyon. He won't let him live the dream. Mordechai is this is this point of MS that is so infuriating to Haman because if I could just like if I could just deny the if I could just get fully into the world of Sheker, then I could live out my desires. And Mordechai is like, no. Mordechai Mordechai is this nagging feeling. And by the way, that's that's inside of us also, right? Meaning the Amalek inside of us also. Right? We have to be able to, to keep that Mordechai voice strong. It's that Nakuda of MS that's always inside of a Jew. And it's infuriating to Haman. Like, leave me alone. Stop trying to like I know you're right, Mordechai, but like go away so I can just have fun. Just leave me alone so I can live, live out my, my Dimyoynisha Taivas. And Mordechai says, I'm not going anywhere. I will, I will not leave. And it's so infuriating. And it becomes self-destructive for Haman. He, can't, he just can't handle it. But the anger of Haman is, is dafka because he knows the truth. Mamish knows the truth. Okay? Okay. So now, Chavar, so let's get to, let's get to, let's get to the, the, the centerpiece of this year. There was a Talmud of the Magid of Mizrich, who of course was the Talmud of the Halig of Baal Shem Tov, by the name, the author of the Sefer, Or HaMeir. Okay, we'll get to it in a moment, in source number 11. Rav Zev Wolf of Zhitoimer, Talmud of the Magid. He says the following, source number 9. Vashti is told to come to the party, the Keser Malchus. Vashti, the Rebetzin of Achashverosh, the queen, is told to come to Achashverosh's party, Bekeser Malchus, wearing the crown. Bekeser Malchus. Laharos ha'amim v'hasarim es yafyo ki tovas marehi. He wants to show off the beauty of his wife. V'atimaina malka v'ashti levo b'dvar melech. And she refuses to come. She refuses to attend the party. And the king gets very angry. And he's all bent out of shape. Okay, turn to the second side of the page. The Gemara tells us there was actually a conversation that took place. Chazal tell us a little bit behind the scenes what was going on here. At that party, 
the way that, of course, the Gemara contrasts this. Look how a yid, look how a yid drinks wine on a Friday night to bring in the world of kedusha, world of Shabbos kodesh. And look how a guy drinks wine at his party. And look what it, look what it leads to—the lewd behavior that it leads to. Part of the drinking on Purim is to say that there's a there's a categorical difference between the way a Jew drinks and the way a non-Jew drinks. Categorically different. I use I use wine for Dvaram Shabbat Kedusha, Kiddush, Abdallah, right? to bring out a deeper voice inside of myself, to daven, uh, to Hashem, to pour out my heart, right? in, a, in a very raw and honest way on Purim. That's what I use wine for. I don't use wine to, God forbid, do Averos. Right? And that's part of what we're highlighting through the, through, the drinking of, through the drinking of wine. What do we say in the Haggadah? Vihisha Amda Lavo Senu Valanu. Yeah? What does it say by Vihisha Amda? You cover the matzos, you raise the glass of wine, and you recite Vihisha Amda. And everyone wants to know what's the Vihisha Amda? What's the it that has stood by us? Lavo Senu Valanu. So some answer, it's the cup of wine. Vihisha Amda. Look at this cup of wine. There's different ways to say the Vart. There's Sadiq who said, like, you know, like, a yid needs a Lachayim just to, like, survive Gallus, you know? Like, there's, there's that. I need a few lachaims by Febrengen just to like, get through another dark period of Gullis. That's for sure how Lubavitcher would, you know, say Vahishamda. But Vahishamda uh, means, no, look at this wine, right? Look at, look at the wine. Look at all the halachos of Yayin Nesach. That wine can't be handled by an anji. We don't even want them to touch our wine. Because there's a, there's a Kedusha to the Yayin. There's something holy that comes from that wine. Anyways, be it as it may, so at the party of Achashverosh, the Gemara and Megillah, the Yudbeis, and Yudbeis, the Chayin B'Sudasa Shalosa Rasha, Halalu Omrim, Madios Nos, the women of Madai are the most beautiful in the world. Halalu Omrim, Parsios Nos, you think your girlfriend's pretty, wait till you see my girlfriend. And everyone's talking in a crude and lewd way, these women are the most beautiful, these are the most beautiful, everyone's sharing all sorts of perverse stories. Omrim Lam Achashverosh, Achashverosh sits there, on his throne, and he says to them, you think, you think you have the most beautiful, I have the most beautiful. And look how, look at what, I, it's a, I'm almost uncomfortable reading the line of the Gemara, because he's such a pervert. Listen to what he says. That's how you refer to your wife? The vessel that I use. She's not from Madai, she's not from Paras, she's a Chaldean, and she's the most beautiful of all. Ritzon Chamlero, so would you like to see her? Amrulao in Ubavad Shitehe Aruma. Sure, we'd love to see her as long as she comes before us naked. And of course, the Gemara says this was Mida Kenegid Mida. Shabimida Sha'adamodeid Ba Modidinlo. The way that a person acts, you get what you deserve. Malame Chai Savashi Harasha Mevia Benos Yisrael, Mavshi Tosan Arumo Saosa Behan Malacha Bashavis. Vashti Loalainu would take. Sweet, innocent, nice Beis Yaakov girls, nice Jewish ladies. She would strip them naked and force them to work on Shabbos. So, Mida Kanagad Mida Vashti. Okay, we're going to do to you what you did to others. And that's what Chazal say. Chazal are picking up on, that's what's alluded to here when it says Vashti was invited to, to come to Achashverosh's party, Bikesar Malchus, wearing the crown. Chazal are understanding she was invited to wear the crown and only the crown, not wearing anything else. Okay. But it's interesting. It's interesting that so much of the story revolves around the, again, the world of Amalek, the Aremas Amalek, which is rooted in the Nachash being Arum Mikol Chayas Asada. Kol Chayas Asada means all of our enemies. The Arum, the Nachash, which is, of course is emblematic of Amalek, is the most Arum, is the most deceptive. So, Chavar, listen to this piece of Torah from the Baal Shem Tov. And this is probably one of my, I mean, not probably, definitely one of my favorite Purim Torahs. I don't know if it's my absolute favorite, but it's pretty high up there. Listen to this incredible insight from the Or HaMeyer in the name of the Baal Shem Tov and his writings on Megillah Esther. Ulahavin kol anisker niral derech shashamati b'shem of Baal Shem Tov. Zechir tzadik levracha l'chayel l'mhava. The Heilig of Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov said, Ba'omram ha-melech ha-chashverosh, Omer lahavi ezbashti ha-malka l'fana v'loba. And ha-chashverosh says, Vashti, I insist that you Present yourself before me, and she refuses to come, she refuses to, to stand before them in that disgraced way. And again, as Chazal tell us, that what, what they really asked was Vashti should present herself undressed, not with garments. So 
So he writes, the Vashantav explains the third line. Kibachinas haklipios, the nature of the klipa. Ein lahem bachinas mitzios ba'olam. However, the easiest way to defeat a malik is to realize that a malik doesn't even exist. Tell a malik you're not real. Sheker's not real. It feels very real. When someone tells you a really strong lie and they tell it in a convincing way, it feels incredibly real. And it could change the way that you act. But when you just pause and say, hold on a second, this is not real. Sheker means, by definition, it's not, it's not emes, it's not real. Eilo metzius. It's the shove, it's the emptiness, it's void of any substance. It's not a real thing. There's no, there's no metzius, there's no mamashos, there's no substance to it. Amalek has to be obliterated because it proves that it never, it never even was. It was, all, it was a lot of noise, it sounded very real, it looked very real. It seemed very tempting, it seemed very threatening. But at the end of the day, Haman, who was our biggest enemy, did nothing to us. He literally did nothing to us. The whole thing was a, was a fake-out. So you know what a Malik is? A Malik is like the Wizard of Oz behind the, you know, behind the curtain. Makes a lot of noise. Right? Seems very scary. But when you just pull back the curtain, you realize it's not scary at all. There's nothing there. There's nothing real that's there. So a Malik has to what? Has to always what? No? halbasha. A Malik has to always what? Has to always dress itself up. It's got to dress itself up. It has to present itself in a way that's... that's right? The fear of a Malik is, is nothing to fear but fear itself. The, the, the anxiety of a Malik is, is, its, is its weapon. Because if you just have the courage to confront it, it disappears. It's Sheker. Ein Bomanish. So it's always dressed up. The cave and Shamar Hamelech Lahavi as Vashti. Hamora ala klipos neged Esther shebekedusha. Chava, if Esther is every one of us, if Esther, as the tzaddikim explain, is Aleph Seser, Aleph, of course, is Hashem. Where is Hashem hiding? Well, He's hiding in the world, but He's also hiding inside of each and every one of us. Elokain neshamash and asat tevitahori. Hashem, there's an Aleph, there's an Alufo shalolam hiding inside of us. It's concealed. It's my secret weapon. It's my neshama. And there's a kalach in the world, there's a klipa in the world, there's a negativity in the world called vashti. I don't want to get into it now, but I'll, I'll say it just so you you'll keep your eyes open. And hopefully you'll be curious and you'll go to the YU library like I did when I was in YU and, and take out ten books on Miguel Esther just to try to find something geschmack, you know? You have to be a curious Jew. It's very important to be a curious Jew. Go, go pick a book off the shelf that you never even heard of. You don't know if you're going to understand. You don't know if it's a good book. You don't know who wrote it. And then do a little research. Be curious. Vashti. What's the Gamachi of Vashti? How much is Vashti? Whatever. Vashti. Vashti. Seven sixteen. Right. 716, yes? Vav and Yod, 6 and 10. And then Shin and Taf, 300 and 400, 716. Okay, 716 is two times Mashiach. Mashiach is 358. Now we know we have two Mashiachs, right? We have two Mashiachs. So Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David. Whatever that's about. Mashiach is Gematria Nachash. For very simple reasons, because Nachash is where the world starts to fall apart. Mashiach is when the world finally gets fixed. The truth is, in Panemius and in the Svarim, there's Psukim that allude to it. There's really two, there's really two types of, of Nachash. There's the straight snake and there's the coiled snake. Right? It's like a Malik. A Malik, we said, is Mu'ukal. Right? There's the snake that slithers straight and then there's the snake that tries to wrap itself around you to squeeze the life out of you. So Vashti is also two times Mashiach, because that's what she's blocking, in a sense. If Vashti represents this big klipa, this big negative energy in the world, right? and, and she represents kind of the, the two snakes, right? what the Tzvarim call the straight snake and the crooked snake. Right? And the goal is to remove Vashti to bring the two forces of Mashiach to the world, Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben Dab. Okay, So just, I want you just to realize that Vashti is two times Nachash, and Vashti is two times Mashiach. 
So now the Melech says to Vashti, what would happen if you took off your clothing? Now keep in mind, the Melech, of course, is not just the Melech HaChashverosh, the Melech is the Melech. Hashem is the Melech. That's how Hashem is speaking from a hidden place throughout the Megillah. So the Melech says to Vashti, the Melech says to this big klipa, this big nachash, this big kalach of Amalek in the world, this big source of negativity in the world, right? if I asked you to step out from behind the curtain, what would you look like? If I asked you to take off all of your garments, I know you have a very intense presentation, but if we were to strip it down to really your essence, so what are you? And you know what happens when you ask Vashti to take off her garments? When you ask the Sahara to reveal his essence? He's a big wimp. He's got nothing. He's Shekhar. He says, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a phony. You know, if you read studies about people who, who, who are bullies, you know bullies who often present themselves as like the coolest, toughest guy have massive like self-esteem issues usually? Because it's all a charade. It's all a show. It's all a presentation. That's a mother. Let's, let's, let's beat up on the weak kid in school. Right? But it's really, it's, it's, it's really exposing my own insecurities. If you're such a tough guy, if you're such a cool guy, so why do I have to pick on this, on this kid who's uh, an easy target? The answer is because you're actually a very weak person. So the way to defeat Amalek, the way to defeat Vashti, so to speak, the way to bring out the Esther, the Aleph Seser, the way to have a victory of Kedusha over Klippa is what? Is to say to Vashti, I'm curious, what do you, what do you have you know, beneath all the layers? You're all dressed up. What do you have beneath all the layers? And the answer is Vashti panics. The second you ask the question, Vashti's like, I'm not, I can't. I can't take off my garments because she knows that underneath there's nothing. It's all sheker. It's all a presentation. It's a false presentation. Mitzvah lahaviyas aklipos arum below levush. Says the Baal Shem Tov. The, the, the mitzvah is to what? To strip down a malik to its essence and you realize, you realize that the whole thing is a big lie. The money that you're chasing is not going to make you happy. The sexual desire that you're chasing is not going to make you happy. The secular, carefree lifestyle that, you're, that you think is so, is so exciting is not. It's really not. When you strip it down, it's really, really not. It's empty and it's shallow and it's sheker. The low ba, the lachain low ba, where it's bolted. And therefore, Vashti refused to present herself. How can she present herself if she is nothing, if her essence is nothing? Built the emptios halbasha. Her only thing is by way of by way of levushim, more levushim, more levushim, more levushim. And he ends the line, va'inyan amuk. What we just learned chaver is very deep. Va'lav kol mocha savil es dvar pakedoshim. And not every not every mind can 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 handle what the Baal Shem Tov just told us. Because it's hard to accept the MS, That's why. That's what it means. It's hard. The idea is a deep idea, and we could talk about it a lot more in depth. But the, the part that's hard to accept about it is, what if, what, if I, what if I really believed in what I believe? What if when I said, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokin Hashem Echad, I really meant it? And what if when I woke up in the morning and I davened, I really believed in the power of my tefillah? And what if when I learned Torah, I really believed it was the most chashev thing in the world, Talmud Torah, Kanege Kula? What if I really believed these Jewish ideas? What if I really, what if I really understood the severity of doing an Avera. What if I really believe Lashon Hara is, 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 is murder? What if I really believe these ideas? It's easier to live in a world of, of you know, dress things up and play the game. And, but what if I really stripped it down to its essence? That's what Purim is supposed to do. That's what Purim is trying to do to us. Rabbi Nachman has a famous mashal. Yeah, you want to say something? Costume, we're kind of wearing what we think of ourselves as, or something that's ideal, like based on our inside. But then once we're already wearing that on our outside, then we can really feel what's right. real. Right. Right. I push. I push this right. All right. So the kid who's wearing the LeBron James jersey, right? In some weird way, he wants to be the next LeBron James. But we push that to the outside, which allows him to be his real self on the inside. Right. That's one way to say it. It's an amazing way to say it. Another way to say it is that, that, we, that we dress up in some fake way so that by the end of Purim, when we take off our costume, right, we, we say, I'm, I'm going to take off my levushim, right? all of those outer superficial layers of self, I'm going to take them off once and for all. I'm going to take off all the garments of a Malik. Yeah. You could also say, even at that, not even the next day, but at the end of the night, like, we're all going to bench, we're all going to say more, we're all going right? to go back to like, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I dress it all up, and then I and then I strip it down to my to my core values. Yeah. Gervin Nachman has a famous mushal, and again, it's an amazing it's an amazing image. I always say I wanna wanna make a music video out of this. I like music video. I like the idea of music video. But this is like a really I don't I don't know. Let's figure out like the what so what song it goes with, but I have to still write the song maybe. So in Sichas Aran and Ozavav, it's a famous piece. Hayitzahara Doma Kami Shaholich Viratzbein Benayaldam. Hayitzahara comes to the town square, and he's got his megaphone, and he starts saying, "Come on, who wants who wants to have a good time?" And he's running around, he's gathering people, everyone's being drawn in. Viyado Segura, and he's running around with a closed fist. Ve'ein Adam Yodei Amabisocha. I just thought of a great part. Remind me in a second. He's running around with a closed fist, and, and, ah, it's a great part. Ve'ein Adam Yodei Amabisocha. No one knows what's in his hand. And he says, you want this? You want this? Yeah? Jake, you want this? Jordan, you want this? Yeah, Sam, you want this? Ezra, you want this? You want this? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I want that, I want that. That's good stuff. And he tricks everyone. What do you think I've got in my hand? And whatever your desire is, whatever your taiva is, whatever you're chasing, you're convinced the Yitzhah has got it in his hands. And if I, can just, if I can just get into that hand, I'm going to get what I want. Everyone thinks he's got what he wants. And everyone's chasing. He's spent your whole life chasing and chasing and chasing. Everyone thinks he's got what he wants. And what happens by the end of a person's life? Everyone says, you've heard it before, you know, a baby comes to this world with his hands closed, right? A baby's hands are usually like this. A person passes away, their hands are open. That's that's literally this muscle. You run through life, you run through life chasing, trying to hold on, trying to grasp something that's not even there. And then what happens at the end? The Yitzhahara opens his hands and there's nothing there. He tricks each and every one of us. Each one chasing the own stupidity of his desire. And at the end the Yitzhahara opens his hands and he realizes that it never satisfied because honestly, Chava, the point of Rabbi Nachman is that even if he did have in his hands what you thought it was, right, you'd realize, yeah, that's not so good. That wasn't worth it. I mean, it could be that it's in his hands. It could be, Mama, she has the thing that you wanted all along, but it looks, you see how empty it is now. Right? You realize that it's so empty. So here's the vart that I want to add. One of the rules that the Talmud Yushalmi, I think, says about Purim is that what? Is that kol ha-poshet yad nostimlo. Anyone who opens his hand on Purim, puts out his hand on Purim, we have to give him. Right? Normally in Hilchah Sadaqah, someone comes and says, can I have money? We say, so t- tell me what you're collecting for. Right? He claims that he has uh, an organization that helps Aniyam and Yerushalayim. Okay, I want to do a little, I just want to know that that really exists. I'm not accusing you of being a liar, but I just want to, you know, you're allowed to look into it. That's reasonable. I want to make sure I give my tzedakah to a proper, to a proper source. Oh, tzedakah, come on in. Is it a legitimate organization? Yes. Then we'd love to donate. it. <laughs> we would love to donate. We'd love to donate. Oh, yeah, I have a few. I give five. Who doesn't have one to give? Give me a Give me a Oh, that's your creep, Hashem? That was actually creep. Once. Yeah, good, good time, guys. Good time we put the clock up. <laughs> Amazing. You guys are big so Okay, thank you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity. Thank you. We're always this generous. <laughs> okay, anyone else? Anyone else? Okay, I think you got us all. 
All right. Thank you, guys. That's great. Whatever you did is great. We appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. To you as well. Okay. Wow. Call it Okay. That's the whole point. The Hester Panam of Hashem is it's, it's not real. The hiding of Hashem is also not real. That's the punchline. Okay, so let's, so let's say it like this. Kola Poisha Yad Right? So the Pashup shot is on Purim, when a person puts out their hand, you have to give them. You have to give them. Right? So the Tzaddikim say that means that on Purim, whatever we ask of Hashem, Hashem also has to give us. One of the reasons that the halacha says to get drunk, it's Hashem, it's Hashem trying to get us distracted so that we don't ask for too much. But really, but really, we have to we have to lose our we have to lose our, our, our das and also at the same time maintain that clarity to ask for all the right things. Okay, but I want to say it like this, based on this, Rabbi Nachman Mashal, Kola Poshet Yad In other words, what? There's people who spend a really long time; they spend their whole life chasing after the Yitzhar, and they only when they die in their hands. You know, like a person who leaves this world with an open hand. Right? It's only then that they realize that the Yitzhar was tricking them the whole time. But we can make a choice to open to open his hand earlier and get it over with and just say, you know what? It's not it. Okay? The way to do that, by the way, is not trying out every taiva and then realizing it after the fact. The way is to come to the mature understanding that I don't need to experience that taiva. Right? To trust, to trust that it's not it. To come to that understanding. So maybe, maybe the Vart's like this. Kol, the, the Purim teaches us that kol ha-poshed yad, not whoever opens his own hand, but kol ha-poshed yad, whoever opens the hand of the Yitzhara, the sooner you can open that hand and realize that it's all a fake out, the quicker and faster you can come to the mature understanding that the whole presentation of the Yitzhara is just levushim and it's sheker, then noisnim lo, then Hashem can give you something real. Kol ha-poshed yad, when, whoever opens his hand, opens the hand of the Yitzhara, then he's Zohar to be given something real from Hashem. I'll tell the mashal that my brother loves to tell. An amazing mashal. mashal I just, just remembered it now. My brother heard this mashal years ago from, uh, from Rabbi Roberts Shlita, who's the Rosh Yeshiva of the Yeshiva Gadol of, of, uh, of Tinek. He once sold the following mashal. He said there was, a, there was a little girl who was in the store with her mother. They were shopping. You know this Rav Davidal mashal? Tell me the Rav Davidal. It's a famous one. So, this little girl's in the store with her mom, and, uh, and they're leaving the store, and on the way out, there's like this little, you know, this little costume jewelry rack, you know, selling like these little, little necklaces and earrings, pearl necklaces and the like, it's all, it's all fake stuff, a couple bucks. So this girl looks at this beautiful pearl necklace, and she said, ooh, mommy, can I, you know, can I get this necklace? It costs like a dollar fifty. She says, I don't know, you know, it's a very nice, a fancy necklace for a, for a little girl. She says, no, mommy, please, please, I'll be a good girl. I'll do this, I'll do that. Okay, all right. So she says, I'll buy you the necklace. She buys the necklace. Okay. She loves this pearl necklace. Like, she wears it, you know, it's not just for Shabbos. She wears it all week. She showers in it. She, like, she never takes it off. She puts on her pajamas. She keeps on her necklace. She loves this necklace. Anyways, time goes by. And one night, her father comes into her room to, uh, you know, to say goodnight to this little girl. She's in her pajamas. She's in bed. And daddy's tucking her in, and, and he says to her, he says, you know, um, he says to her, call her Shifra, Shifra, you know how much daddy loves you? Yeah, of course, of course. He says, he says to her, do you love, do you love me? She says, of course, daddy, I love you. So he says, um, I was wondering if I could have your pearl necklace. So she's like, uh, you can have my teddy bear. He's like, no, no, that's okay. <laughs> I don't need your teddy bear. So that's fine, that's fine. Okay. Ah, a couple of weeks go by. Again, the father one night is tucking his daughter in. And has this little conversation again. You know how much I love you. You love me too. He says, Shifra, you know, can I can I have your pearl necklace? So she says, Daddy, I can't I like, you know. Remember that little pink tricycle you got me for uh, Hanukkah last year? Like I'm happy to share that with you. One of your pink tricycle. Finally, one, one night, the father comes in, and the girl, I guess, she sees, you know, she sees that look in her father's eye. They're going to have that conversation again. And before, before the father can even say anything, she, like, she 
like you know, it's like painful for her. She like closes her eyes and she like just like holds out her hand. She's holding, she's holding the pearl necklace. And the father, the father takes, takes the necklace out of her hand. And he can see like the, you know, like it's so hard for her to give up the necklace. And the dad reaches into his pocket, and he pulls out a real pearl necklace. He puts it in her hand. It's such a gavaldic mashal. Because the Kodesh Baruch Hu says, like, if you'll just, if you'll trade in the fake pearls, the Baruch Hu says, I'll give, I'll give you the real pearls. Right? I'll give you, if you're willing to just, and I know it's hard. Hashem says, I know it's hard. I know it's hard to give up. Because the whole world is telling you, this is it, this is it, this is it, you know? Chase it and chase it and chase it. But if you're willing to just open your hand and, like, give up the nonsense, trade in the sheker, Hashem says, I'll put the, I'll put the real pearls in your hand. I'll give you the real, I'll give you the real jewels. Such a beautiful mushroom. So call it poshid yad if we're willing to open up our hand, to, to, so to speak, in this mushroom, you know, to hand in our, 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 our fake stuff. A Baruch says, I'll give you the real stuff. That's called geula. When a person experiences that, when you, when you taste that emes, that's called geula. What's the first maka? Where's the turning point of, of geula? When you see us with Shrayim. Baruch brings the maka of dam. What happens during the maka of dam? Says the Gea Rebbe, says the Halega Imre Amos in source 13. V'hadaga asher bayor mesa vayivasha yor. The fish in the Nile, the Nile was their, was their, right? The Nile was the source of their desire, was their big dream. The Nile was their Rebbe, was their God, was their, was their success. The fish in the Nile died. Vayivasha yor. Vayivasha yor. And the, the, the Nile stank. It smelled terrible. The dead fish, the terrible smell of the Nile. Think about what we learned yesterday. We're supposed to smell good. Think about how the Nile, how the God of Mitzrayim smelled terrible. Adoni Avi Zakenizal. Omar. Shakavanahi. Says the Gareba. I heard from earlier Doros. I heard from probably the Chedush Arim, the first Gareba. I heard B'Shem the Chedush Arim. Shakavanahi. Shataivas Mitzrayim Nimosu Aslam. The Nile, whatever the Nile represented in terms of like, oh, this is this is like the it, this is like this is the source of my life. All of a sudden, it started to what? The Taiva of Mitzrayim. What was Mitzrayim known for? Mitzrayim is called in Tanakh Erbas Aretz, Arayos, the sexual lures, the temptations. All of a sudden, it started to be nimas. It started to be repulsive to them. It was disgusting and lowly. Like it says in the third line, the Medrash says, "Shemi makas dam ha'eshiru Yisrael." What happened by Makkah's dam? All of a sudden, the Jews became rich. You know the Medrash. The Jews had the water. They were selling the water to the Egyptians. What does it mean to be rich? What does it really mean to be rich? The Gemara says, The poorest person in the world is a person who what? Who doesn't have das. I think about that on Purim. We're making ourselves poor to make space for Hashem. Just to explain that very, very quickly. What does it mean we're making ourselves poor to make space for Hashem? Svasemis writes in last week's Parsha, Parsha's Truma. Svasemis says that Adar is Aleph, Dalid, Resh. Aleph means Hashem, the Aluf, right? The Aluf, the master of the universe, likes to dwell. Dar is a Lashon of Dira. Hashem wants to dwell with us. But who does Hashem dwell with? Hashem dwells with the one who's Dal, and Hashem dwells with the one who's Rash. Dal means poor, Rash means impoverished. Because if you're a Balgaiva, and if you're living a fake life, like a malik, Hashem says, I have no interest in being a part of that. I don't, want, I don't need a roommate who's, who's impossible to live with. Hashem says, Aleph, Dar, I, I like the person who's Dal Verash. I like the person who's humble and poor. The person who recognizes that they need me in their life. So in Mitzrayim, the Jewish people right, started to get rich. What does rich mean? Rich means they started to get it. Ah, this whole thing's a lie. However, you know how the Egyptians kept the Jews in Mitzrayim? They enslaved our minds. It's called the Galdas Adas. There was no security fence. There was no, there was no traps or no minefields right outside Mitzrayim. They didn't leave Mitzrayim because we didn't know how. Our brain was enslaved to Mitzrayim. Hashem took us out, Mitachas Sivlos Mitzrayim. The Gerebbe explained, Sivlos means we were so vel Mitzrayim. We put up with it. We bought into it. We were so vel means we, we, we were willing to bear it. We accepted it. This is how it has to be. This is, this is the cultural norm. This is how it's supposed to be. 
We get out of Mitzrayim when we get rich, when we, when we fix our minds. Yashar. When we fix our das. The point of Purim is that I can lose my das and, I'm st- and I still have greater clarity than a malik. That's, that's the whole joke of it. Right? Without das, I still know more than you, a malik. So Mitzrayim was this incredible tumah. But now look what he says. All of a sudden, Mitzrayim, the Nile, Mitzrayim started to stink. The Jews started to get rich. They started to clarify their minds. Right? Continuing where it's bolded. Ata niftach lahem pesach v'ikiras Hashem yisbarach v'higiu liyahadus Each of the makos brought them to greater das, to greater understanding, to greater connectivity. And you know what they realized? They realized where it's underlined that everything in Mitzrayim was achiz asenayim. It was all sleight of hand. It was magic tricks. It wasn't real. None of it was real. And he says an amazing thing. The Emre concludes, he says, and you'll notice, you know what happens after the makos start? Look what it says, last line. Originally, when we're told about Paro's wise men, they're called Chachamim. But after the makos start to happen, you know what we call them? Chartumim. They're just a bunch of magicians. They do good tricks, but they're not actually smart. They don't actually have anything real to offer. They're not wise men. They're empty. Achiz asenayim, sleight of hand. That's the whole thing. That's how a Jew goes out of Gullus, when a person comes to that realization. And let's go back to the moment when Yaakov became Yashar, when he became Yisrael. He was always Emes, he did Emes Yaakov. Where does Yaakov get the name Yisrael? When he defeats who? It's Ahara, he defeats Sarah Shalesov. He defeats the Sitra Achra. Source 14. He defeats Esau's Malach, and the Malach says, what's your name? Yaakov. I want to change your name. You used to be Yaakov, I have a new name for you. I'm not, you're Yasha. You're very Yasha. I'm not Yasha. I hit below the belt. In the fight, where does the Malach, the Malach, the Malach injures him in the Giranasha? You're not allowed to do that. Even in a fight, there are rules in a fight. A Malach doesn't play by the rules. In war, there are rules. In war, there are rules. There's like weird stories. You ever hear like these stories like from the Civil War where like they're in the middle of a huge battle and then like, all right, timeout, like someone needs to cross the battlefield. So they called like a timeout, you know, and they let some, uh, some women and children on like a wagon get through the battlefield. Okay, like, all right, back to the war. Back to killing each other. There's rules to war also. You wave the white flag, right? So the other team has to, the team, the other uh, nation has to stop bombing. Right? Amalek doesn't play by the rules. Amalek, Dafka's a bully. They target the weaklings. So Yaakov fights fair. The Malach didn't fight fair. He hit him below the belt. He hit him in the Gidanasha. He says, what's your name? He says, Yaakov. He's like, you know what? You should be Yisrael. You're very Yashar. And then Yaakov says back to the Malach, Saro shal Esav, the embodiment of Esav and Amalek, Vayishal Yaakov vayomar, Hagida na, Hagida Tell me your name. And what happens when you ask the Yitzhahar its name? What is it, how does it respond? Panics. Why do you want to know my name? Your name is your essence. We've said many times to the Baal Shem Tov that if you look at the word neshama, the inner essence of your neshama is your name. Right? The middle of your neshama, the inner essence of your neshama is your shame, is your name. Your name represents a certain deep mission statement. You have to think about your Jewish name and what it means in terms of your, your, your mission in this world. The second you ask the Yitzhahara, tell me about your essence. Take off your garments. Stop dressing up so much. Show me who you really are. He panics. Lama zatish alishmi. Why are you asking my name? I don't want to talk about that. That's, that's how you defeat the Yitzhara. All you have to do is challenge and confront the Yitzhara head on and say, I know you're a lie. I know you're a lie. You're a good lie. You're a well-dressed lie. You're, you're very good at, at, at presenting it, at playing the part, you know? But a Jew has to, has to be able to, to look beneath all of those garments and see the truth. So let's learn a piece from the Tanya to just be Messiah. The Tanya in Parak Bay is a very beautiful, I mean the whole Tanya is beautiful, it's silly I guess to, to say any part of the Tanya is beautiful, but this is, this is really beautiful. He writes in the last source, As Iker hadas, He's talking about what does it mean? What does it mean to have Yediyas Hashem, to come to really know Hashem, to recognize Hashem, to see Hashem, to know a Kaddish Baruch Knowing Hashem, Chavra, does not mean that I just say that I believe in God. 
and then I still succumb to all the tricks of the Yitzhara. That's not called knowing Hashem. That's not a deep Yidiyah. That's not a deep Yidiyah. Yidiyah Hashem, ain't ha Yidiyah levada. She yeidu gedulas Hashem mi piso from a piso svarim. Baltani says, it's nice that you can quote sources that, that talk about, you know, I can give you Mari Makomos on the truth of Hashem. That's, that's nice. I can show you some good Sofrim or Svarim. I can show you rabbis who believe in Hashem. I can show you good books that talk about God. That's not Yudiyas Hashem. To know Hashem deeply. To drill it into your mind. To drill it into your heart. The Balatanya says, Emuna is a lashon of, of an uman. An uman is a craftsman. A person who's mastered their craft. When you first start to play an instrument, you have to pay a lot of attention to what you're doing. But the more you practice, the more you play piano, the more you practice guitar, the more paintings you paint, the more pieces of writing that you, that you try to, to, to craft, right? the more second nature it comes. Amuna is something, Balatanya says, Amuna is something that has to be developed like a craft. You have to practice it. It's not either I have it or I don't. Everyone in this room believes in Hashem. But how, how deep does that go? And how many garments of a malik are still covering over our amuna? That's the Shaila. Mordechai was Omein as Hadassah. That says in the Megillah. Mordechai was Omein as Hadassah. Omein means he raised Hadassah. Right? But it means that he also, he nurtured, he nurtured, he nurtured the amuna. Right? The tzaddik has to work to nurture the amuna of Klal Yisrael. So to drill it into your mind, drill it into your heart. Right? Deeply connected to a Baruch Hu. Middle of the third line. It has to be, Hashem has to be real to you, like, like in quotations, real things, like physical things. I believe that this is a black marker. I see it, I can touch it, I can feel it, I can use it. It's real to me. And I deepen it, and I deepen it. That's what Das means. So Das who lashon his kashros. Das means deep connectivity, like the pasuk says, "Va'adam yada eschava." The intimate bond of Adam and Chav is called Das, intimate and deep connection. But then the Balatanya says, "Va'af shu'al yidei his slabshus bilavushim rabim." However, we started off by saying the scariest pasuk in the Chumash is what Anochi hastir astir. Hashem also sometimes puts on layers and layers and layers of garments. But the difference is that with the Yitzhahara, when it's all dressed up, as you pull away the garments, you start to realize that underneath all of it is what? Is nothing. The world is the opposite. It's garments and garments and garments hiding Hashem, and the more garments you pull away, the more you reveal something more real, more real, more real. You, you uncover a Kaddish Baruch Hu beneath all the Levushim. There's no difference if you're standing in the presence of a king. If the king is wearing one layer of clothing, or two layers of clothing, or three layers of clothing. If you know that the person that you're in front of is the king, so you're trembling. It doesn't matter how many levush, how many degrees of separation there are between you and the king. Whether the king is literally standing naked in front of you, whether the king is wearing one garment, where the king is wearing many robes. If you know you're in the presence of the king, you're, 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 you're feeling it. You feel that deeply. You know that in a deep way. It doesn't matter how many garments. Concludes the Balatayin in the last three lines. But we need to train ourselves. We need to practice it. To drill it into your lave, to drill it into your malach. To drill it into your lave, to drill it into your malach. Whatever we see in this world, all of it, it's all just hiding something good beneath it, which is HaKadosh Baruch A Malik is, is hiding nothing underneath. The Mashal of Rabbi Nachman. And HaKadosh Baruch is hiding the essence of, of himself underneath. It's all just hidden, and our job is to uncover it. Open up the hand, see what's really inside. And with this, a Jew lives... With this, a Jew lives with the Kaddish Baruch in a real way. He understands the source of his life. He understands what's real in the world, what's emes in the world. He did emes Yaakov versus the sheker of a malik, the shav of a malik, the falsification of a malik. It's so easy if we could just push back. Get a malik, challenge a malik. What's your name? What's your essence? Who are you? Vashti, what do you look like? You know, not all dressed up. When we ask that question, we, 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 we uncover that which is hidden.